Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3. Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. It's good to be with you on a Redemption Thursday. Uh, this recorded really just, just before we would normally go on the air. Uh, and for good reason. We had to do this last week. We have to do it again this week. Uh, both are out of our control. There is work being done. Work being done at the uh, home office, if you will. The studios. New soundproof walls, soon to be. All that good stuff uh, being put in on, a, on Thursday and Friday. So you'll get this each of these two days. Enough about that. Onward with the show. Doesn't change anything. We'll still be good or kind of. At least we hope so. It is Redemption Thursday. The picks, they are in my hands. Let's get to them. All right. We're getting slim pickings. You know, it's harder to find the better games right now because a lot of teams are playing Patsies the week before they play their rival in many cases. Uh, and I think that uh, it just gets tougher and tougher uh, to, to really seek out the best lines. If you're just going straight lines instead of totals or halves and things of that ilk. But I think we're good. TCU minus two and a half against Baylor. What happened to our thingy, Tom? It's coming back up. I had UConn. The UConn line says you got to take the over, which doesn't make any damn sense. So that, that's being fixed. Yeah, that's not right. It's 10 and a half. We've got UConn playing good football these days. It's crazy. All eligible Huskies are playing Army, so that's uh, that's a little user error, but uh, it's being fixed, and wouldn't you know it? Voila! Yeah, it's a little voila as there it goes. Okay, we're good. UConn plus 10 and a half uh, against Army. We'll take that. We've got TCU giving the two and a half against Baylor. Baylor, who got blown the hell out. It has not been a great year for Dave Aranda, who everybody loves rattling on about. Oh, that Dave Aranda. Baylor sucks. Arizona plus four against Washington State. Louisville minus four against NC State. UNC minus 21 against Georgia Tech. Word on the street, Tom Wang. We Talked about this very briefly yesterday because of the injury status, but it looks like Sims is going to be hitting the transfer portal, um, which makes a lot of sense. We kind of figured he would be. Why wouldn't you be? I would think that we should be reading a headline soon that reads, entire Georgia Tech program decides to transfer. <laughs> yeah, probably so. I mean, you know, I, throw for throw, very small sample size, but I thought their third string quarterback, the freshman, was the best of the lot in the limited action I saw against FSU. That dude was fearless to throw between the hash marks. So I think yeah. they're better off. If they play that kid, maybe they cover because North Carolina pulls a Mac Brown. 
I hope not. I had to take a Mac Brown here and deliver the 21, but I'll probably get hosed by Mac Brown for doing so. UCLA plus two against Southern Cal. Uh, Southern Cal has been beat up, really beat up with injury. And I think this is where it comes back to haunt them. I like UCLA in the game. Pizza money on the money line for UCLA. Tennessee needs style points right now. And so they've had no um, apprehension regarding running up the score. They were still throwing late in the fourth quarter up by 35 last week. uh, Threw a bomb in that game. Uh, in the, late in the fourth quarter. I think they'll continue to do it. I think Heupel knows that's uh, the best chance they have is to just beat people by 100 if they can. And, you know, South Carolina is awful. So I'll lay the 22. Kansas State minus seven and a half against West Virginia. I like that K-State team. I really do. They've been good to me this year. Auburn minus five and a half against Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky's not good. Auburn's not good. They love them some Cadillac. They're going to play hard for Cadillac. I'll lay the five and a half there and hope the defense carries the day. Wake Forest minus 10 against Syracuse. I think Syracuse is packing it in. I think Syracuse is calling it a day. They've now lost four straight. Uh, It's probably not easy to play for Dino Babers. Uh, He's a disingenuous jerk. Uh, So I would would imagine they continue to lay down here. Wake will lay the 10 and beat up on a, a defense whose secondary was once good but is missing players now and uh, they don't cover very well. So those are the lines brought to you by our friends at Metro Deli. I don't see why not. Go Metro Deli. We hope it's an ATM week. Last week was not. We went four and six last week. After having back-to-back winning weeks, we fell back off the uh, the cover train, Tom. We, we slid off the tracks. Uh, and now we have to bounce back this week and get back in the win column and win. It sounds so much better when you're able to say we've won three of our last four weeks. So hopefully that's the, that's what happens. Three winning weeks in our last four. Yeah, that, that's got yeah. a pitch to it. But, you know, that was a slight maintenance delay. The, the train is not off the tracks. Four and six is not the train off the tracks. That's just a, ooh, ooh, hang on a minute. Yeah. Sure, yeah. We need, a little, need to tighten up some of the lug nuts on the railway. That's all. Yeah. A little cool. hiccup little hiccup i read this yesterday uh and brought up we talked yesterday about the rivalry i I actually had a long call with a buddy of mine out of town who uh, happens to be a gator and we were talking um at length about that matchup and it occurs to me that uh i did not read from the column yesterday that i wanted to this this about florida state espn.com college football in early october mike norvell seminoles hit a rough patch that could have Completely derailed their season. They lost to Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson in consecutive weeks. And while each game was competitive, they had gone from 4-0 to 4-3. Crisis? Nope. After a bye week in week eight, FSU overachieved projections by an average of 25.3 points per game against Georgia Tech, Miami, and Syracuse. The Knowles have leapt from 38th to 19th in SP+. So happens they're sitting at 19th. Is that right? Yeah, I believe. In, yes. yes. Yep, yep. Which is also off. I, I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, which gives them a 48% chance of beating both Louisiana and Florida to finish the regular season nine and three. For a program that incredibly hasn't won more than seven games since 2016, this is a massive step forward. So that's Bill Conley. Are you surprised by the percentage at 48%? Yeah, that doesn't make any damn sense to me. You know, it, it basically, it's what is your chance of winning the Florida game? And I understand, you know, they could slot 
Louisiana somewhere around 88%, 93%, I don't know what the metrics say about what the Raging Cajuns are, but I think it all comes down to what does SP Plus think their chances against Florida? And given that that game is at home at night, there's a ramp-up effect for both teams, but Florida State gets the easier ramp-up with Louisiana. Florida's defense sucks. Florida State's defense is pretty good, and both offenses can be electric. I would say there should be something closer to a 68% chance or a 65% chance. Yeah. This is what he wrote directly underneath Florida State's bubble uh, for Florida. Maybe the biggest obstacle to FSU's current smoking hot status, the rival Gators are also gaining steam, albeit in a small sample size. After underachieving against projections and losses to both LSU and Georgia and falling to four and four, Florida overachieved by 23.3 points in their 41 to 24 win over AM, then by 29 points in Saturday's 38 to 6 destruction of South Carolina. Two games does not a turnaround make, but the Gators hit these heights in what appears to be a pretty sustainable way. They doubled down on a run game, rushing a combined 104 times against the Aggies and Gamecocks and gaining 665 yards in the process. Defensively, the Gators controlled the Aggies by shutting down their admittedly awful passing game, then dominated the line of scrimmage against a fading South Carolina front. Florida FSU has not generated a ton of rivalry week buzz in years, but both of these teams are playing their best football this time of year. The game is just two weeks away. Now the game is a little over a week away. Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I think that the computer, this is where you get in trouble with uh, these kinds of stats, right? Uh, the computer is going to give Florida a ton of credit for the yardages game. Something's going on with Tom's computer. <laughs> um, for the yardages gained uh, against Texas A&M, most notably. Because A&M, while awful on offense, and Florida's defense gets no credit in that game because they gave up plenty of points to Texas A&M, who's not any good. Um where Florida's offense gets credit is for putting up those huge amounts of yards against AM, who for the most part hasn't done that. AM's defense has been good, but the computer doesn't know that half of the starting lineup for Texas AM's defense was out with the flu. Correct. So I think that's where the percentages go awry. And the computer also doesn't understand that South Carolina is a lot like Syracuse right now, falling off a cliff. It's over. The dream is over. Their their season, that would have been more impressive had it been done much earlier in the year for both teams, for Florida State against Syracuse and for Florida against South Carolina. So the numbers, I think, are more skewed when they point to Florida's uh, recent success than they are Florida State's. And, you know, the one thing I have said in talking about our defense, which I agree with you, is better. I don't think it's great, but I think it is better without question. They have grown. You are right about that. And they are certainly better with Fabian Lovett out there. That changes things quite a bit. Uh, but I do think they played a three-game stretch against very listless offenses that have very little chance of succeeding, uh, partly because their quarterbacks either stink or are hurt or both. And so I do think it will be, in some ways, kind of a more interesting test this weekend, because the quarterback is not a bum for Louisiana. He's not great. I'm not trying to make him out to be some superstar. Uh, but he is more athletic than we've seen lately, and, and and they are a little bit better suited to compete. They won't win. Florida State will win comfortably. 
but I do think they'll have uh, a live body back there, and I don't believe that Florida State's faced one in recent weeks. Yeah, it's just it's hard to parse through all those things because you could also argue that Fabian Lovett's return um, at the same time as your down opponents in Georgia Tech, Miami, and Syracuse are going through quarterback issues is just a collision of a whole lot of noise in the data, to use a, a data analyst term. That How do you sort it all, through all that and come up to a conclusion? The thing I'd say is I go back to the LSU game at the beginning of the season where their offensive line is a little bit healthier than it was in, in the middle parts of 2022. Mm-hmm. And this defensive line with a healthy Jared Verse and a healthy Fabian Lovett controlled the line of scrimmage against an SEC foe. And I think that's something that is a safer bet against Florida than not, is that they'll be able to control for drives, not the whole game, but for drives and get Florida into those second and eights and, and third and sixes. And I'm really interested to see that because, again, it's just it, it's it's a case of a lot of what ifs. If that group was completely healthy up front for Florida State and now, you know, well, what's happened with Patrick Payton and Josh Farmer and their growth and, and that fortifies some depth. What could have been? And and maybe Florida State wins out and they get to a good bowl because some of the other chips fall in Florida State's direction and you get to see a legitimate test in the bowl game and perhaps those guys are still participating. That's not a guarantee either that Fabian or, or Jared Verse would say, I'm still in. I'm playing for that 10th win. They might say, I've done enough. Yeah, Patrick, Josh, you guys get it. But I just want to see that group, that front four, that front seven, as fully healthy as possible because it's just, man, it's different. It fundamentally changes everything about this defense, and I think they've also developed at other positions throughout the season too. I just think that Florida State's the more complete team and they should be favored by more than what a neutral site uh, or, or a home field uh, you know, movement of the line would be. So what is that, three points, four points? Yeah, well, depend- by- yeah, two and a half to three, yeah. Should be, they should be favored by more than that baseline. Is my yeah, point. I, I, it's weird. I had one of those cool moments where some games, you know, it, it jumps off the page at you and you, you can almost nail the score exactly. But sometimes also it's just a, it's burned, it's imprinted in your mind. Um, all week long, I thought not at all about this Louisiana game and instead about the Florida game. And I keep coming back to 41 to 24 Knowles. I just feel like 41 to 24 feels right. I, I, you know, I do think Anthony Richardson's going to make some plays. Uh, I do think, you know, obviously ATN will make some plays. Um, I, there's some talent there, uh, but I, I, I just, I'm like you, I think Florida state was going to move the ball on Florida's defense pretty consistently and they'll get enough stops. They'll get enough stops. It's going to be an interesting off season. Uh, I, I don't want to leap there while we have two weeks to play plus a bowl game. But my mind has begun to drift there. It's going to be an interesting offseason. It's going to be an interesting signing day. But also, I want to see what they do in the portal. How heavy do they go after it? You and I had a long conversation about this yesterday. I'm getting more into the machinations and the balancing acts that have to take place with a program that has now taken the next step. And it's exciting to do that because it's, you know, when you when you haven't taken that step, you're only hyper-focused and vigilant in discussion about the next step. That's all you do is when are we going to see this team put together a winning season? When are they going to play a good brand of football for a prolonged period of time? Right. But those questions have now been answered. They've been largely stamped barring a two game losing streak here. There's really nothing that can undo the evidence we've seen that the program has taken 
the aforementioned step. So now you get into not sustaining that, but potentially improving it. And I think a lot of that involves who stays, who goes. That's why I say it's going to be interesting offseason. Who stays, who goes. How much does the collective have for roster retention and acquisition? How heavy does the coaching staff believe they need to hit the portal without upsetting the apple cart of young talent that we know is on this roster and waiting for their opportunity, in particular the offensive line? Like what if you went and portaled two offensive linemen or even just one tackle? How does that, how does that work with the, um, the offensive line? How many guys, who, who gets told they have to wait another year uh, and how do they handle it? So that's fascinating. Uh, and then I do, again, anticipate uh, perhaps a, a couple of people that, uh, or at least in my mind, I, I think there will be at least one change on the staff, possibly two. Yeah. Um, and I'm not singling out any one person. And I'm not getting into that right now. I just, I the, the sense I get is there will be a couple of changes and that's fine. I, I, I believe there needs to be. Um, but it will be fascinating to see exactly who those two to three guys or one guy are. You know, I, I am curious to see how he goes about it because there's a lot of different ways to play it if if it's on the, say, the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, uh, I agree. But um, it, it's funny because I, I think typically on, on a Thursday, it's the hour two open when we start asking these broad questions ahead of us solving for the future. But that's it's what you think about yeah. on on a week you're playing Louisiana. And That's then all, all you're looking at is Florida. The thing I'd say about this group and the here and now is it's kind of like when you're you know putting your lines together and you see that Tennessee is a 22-point favorite against South Carolina and they need style points. And so the motivation is there. The thing I love about this game against Florida is both teams' motivation will be there, but Florida State's motivation is built through physicality up front on both offense and defense. And that has a different way of connecting with recruits. If they get enough good bodies on campus here, and mm -hmm. Michael Langston last night on the recruiting chat on War Chant TV, which was live, said that he expects some names that have not yet been on campus at Florida State at all to be in attendance for the FSU and UF game. If you give them a night atmosphere at Doak with that kind of offense, and they perform up to what their brand new expectation is, which is pretty much elite college football offense. Mm -hmm. and you see the physicality and the multiplicity and they're making plays at running back. First and foremost, the offensive line is now a group that you could almost call playmakers with the way that they're generating yeah. Things yeah. for Trey Benson. The receivers are not hapless like they were in this football game against the Gators last year. And Jordan Travis, of course, is in the center of it all that connects, man. And if you see also improved defensive back play and a blood in the water feeling for a couple of drives. And you could sense that in the crowd. There's nothing like when the defense takes the field in front of the home crowd and you're up a score or two and you feel that. Yeah, oh, you, don't, yeah. don't let us get off the field here. Don't let yeah. us get off the field here. There's that desperation in the crowd noise. It, it's almost like a finish him moment from Mortal Kombat. Correct. It's got its own little juice to it. And that's the one thing about this stretch, these last, eight quarters of football for Florida State, which is just un unlucky. If you played Miami at home, you know, and you laid the wood like that, the impression you would have made on recruits would have been unbelievable. So I just look forward to that game for those reasons, because if you could do somewhat of what you've just done for the last 12 quarters of football, 
the the final impression you're going to make to a lot of these recruits, and sometimes in some cases, the first impression that you're going to make is just going to be so damn strong. And uh, we'll see if it pays off for him. Did you see Good Morning Football today? I did not. Oh, did Malik McLean make angry runs? Uh, no, it was just funny because it was uh, Jimmy Johnson pimping his book. And in oh. the course of the interview with the Good Morning Football staff, he mentioned that he and Jay-Z had gone down to the Florida State-Miami game oh. and that they were on the sideline for that game. Very excited. Jay-Z was excited to be with Jimmy Johnson at a Florida State-Miami game because he had never done it before. And uh, Jimmy had made all these promises. And then he was forced to admit today that, of course, alas, Florida State didn't just beat Miami, but humiliated. Miami in a way that is seldom seen. You might say even record-breaking fashion and that they left very early. There was no reason to be on that sideline. Yeah. And I thought that's just something to warm the heart on a Thursday while we're thinking about things, all the good things that have happened this year. It's just nice knowing that they're, that Jimmy Johnson, their former coach, flies Jay-Z into town to be on the sidelines for this momentous occasion, only to take a momentous ass-kicking. It's just beautiful. And I'm not going to stop bringing it up all year long. I'm not going to stop bringing it up. There is no extends pill in the world, Jimmy Johnson, that would have saved Miami and made them – <laughs> less flaccid <laughs> i forgot about the extends that is so good when we come back unfortunate news on the are they going to stay are they going to leave front regarding florida state's roster it's the jeff cabert show 93.3 real talk radio war chant tv passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside florida state athletics that's warchant.com now back to jeff on real talk 93.3 jeff cameron show 93.3 real talk radio on a redemption thursday and warchant tv thanks for watching thanks for listening we appreciate you picks are up i'll go back over those in a little bit i mentioned before the break a moment ago good news bad news all that is what we're looking at closely as it pertains to the roster don't have definitive information nobody said anything just yet but you can't help but wonder the more you see articles like this one written today by todd mcshay uh He's not the gospel, but he's also not alone right now, and that begins to concern me. Quote Jared Verse, first round, the snap in Verse's hips and hands jump out on tape. He's at his best overwhelming offensive tackles with speed to power when rushing the passer. 
The Albany transfer mixes in an, infect, an effective inside move. He can beat interior offensive linemen uh, clean when he kicks inside as well. He shoots his hands, stacks bigger blockers, gets off a of box, and defends the run well. Even though he's on the leaner side of the table, he has the active hands and foot speed to slip blocks and disrupt plays in the backfield. He's a big riser for this reason versus piled up six and a half sacks, 12 and a half tackles for loss already this year, despite missing time, 16 pressures in nine games as well. Um, Verse has very steadily this season gone from late second round, mid second round, early second round, late first round. And we're beginning to see some evidence that he's moving more towards the lower twenties in that first round. Um, at least in projections. And again, these guys, they put out a hundred mock drafts. So it changes all the time and it's not set in stone. They don't always get it right, but I will tell you, and I think most people know this. If you check, I don't know, five of the 700 mock drafts. Uh, if you, if you check five of them, just the first five, you feel like going to, and the same name is in the same ballpark in the first round over and over and over again, then those guys are hearing things. They're hearing things from teams and scouts. Um, And you'll see, that's the other thing. You get senior bowl invites and things like that uh, proved to be evidence to some degree. So I think, I I think we're going to lose Jared verse. And I, I, I think no longer is that really at this point, it doesn't feel like that's up for debate. I think he's gone. Yeah, and uh, you congratulate the young man. You wish, you know, perhaps you could have parlayed this into a, a more explosive season. But then again, last year with Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas, they only won five games. So this is a huge development. Uh, it's also another feather in the cap for staying ahead of the game in the portal and looking for that next solution and finding one that not only projects but delivers. You know, we thought that this might be a two-year solution for Florida State of the position. It sure not. felt like it. Sure felt like it the first day we saw him. But man, did he come on strong towards the end of camp, and then all of a sudden, boom. Well, and I got to take issue with the one <laughs> taking issue with Todd McShay is like an annual tradition on the leaner side. What the hell are you talking about? That dude is pretty big, and that looks like an NFL ready-made body. He's listed at two forty-eight. I wouldn't be stunned if he's carrying two forty-eight or two fifty. Sometimes these. Heights and weights are a little bit, you know, exaggerated. Sure. He looks he looks dense enough to be a bona fide, you know, Sunday player. It doesn't he doesn't look like Brian Burns or you know that's somebody I would say is on the leaner side. Jared's mm-hmm. got some density and strength to him. He plays like a complete edge rusher in terms of he's not a he's not a finesse one trick pony, and then he's not a run stuffer. He's got both of those tools in his skill set. Are they a little bit on the raw side for the NFL? Sure, I'd say that, but just because he hasn't gone against this level of competition for an extended period of time. But my man has the density. I, I wouldn't consider him to be an undersized player. Well, at least I wouldn't consider him to be a leaner player at the NFL level. He looks he looks ready to go in that department. To me. Yeah, and it might be semantics. It might just be the way he uses lean, or the way you use or the way you interpret lean. Right? I I think he means lean by the weight. 248, I think he he thinks that's smallish for an NFL defensive end. I would say uh I would never I would never say Jared versus a big defensive end, but I would also not say he's a small defensive end. I think he's kind of a prototypical, maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah, somewhere in there. Um he, he wouldn't he he'll put on more size. He he's gonna get bigger. 
And so by definition, there's room. You know what I mean? Like he can get bigger, but he's yeah. already so strong. And, and that's what I care much more about. He's quick and strong. I wanted to see more than anything else was, was we both thought, I think everybody did, just the raw looking at him in practice, he's going to garner sacks. In fact, we were asked preseason who leads the team in sacks this year. And we kind of, I think you and I both wrestled between Tatum Bethune and him just because we thought maybe Tatum would blitz more yeah. or you know, even Jamie Robinson's name came up just because we thought they might utilize him in a, in, as a rusher that way. But we both settled on Jared Verse. Well, that's because we saw already in practice how quick he was off the ball. What I was concerned about and what I thought would take another full year, which is why I thought we'd have him for two years, uh, is I thought he might struggle against the run. But he doesn't struggle to set the edge. He doesn't struggle in the run game. Once after that first game, he realized that in, in at this level of play, you can be burned when you take chances as opposed to just doing your job. Um, he really hasn't made that mistake. I mean, maybe one other time. That's it. Yeah. I, you know, after watching him for an extended period of time, a couple of things popped up. He wasn't making mistakes out of aggression because he didn't have the IQ. He knew exactly what defenses were doing. I think he was trying to learn what he could and couldn't get away with, with his superior athleticism. That's, that's very different than just crashing all the time because you're hunting for a plane. You don't know any better. Like yeah. you could see that he knew. And then the second thing that jumped off the page to me immediately, because sometimes a reputation or a stereotype of a, of a position that you have in your mind doesn't match what the player is. For example, Andrew Parchment, you know, I thought was going to be a, a shorter Johnny Wilson last year. When they first announced the, the acquisition that he was coming to Florida State, I thought, oh, there's your red zone target. Then he gets on campus. I'm like, no, this guy's way too wiry to yeah, be a red right. zone target. He might be your burner. So sometimes you got to see the kid, and obviously the coaches do. But what I thought that Jared Verse would be would be undersized, like McShay is saying that he is now, which is not right, and, and a finesse player. And what I was taken aback by was his strength. If, you know, when he gets his hands on you, like immediately you could see it against Robert Scott in practice. I'm like, oh, my God, mm -hmm. look how strong this guy already is. And then it was just a matter of, is the game too fast for him? Well, after about a quarter and a half of LSU, you're like, nope, nope, the game's not too fast for this guy, not in the least bit. And it just kept on building on itself. And it's unfortunate that, you know, an asset like that moves forward, but he's a great kid. He cared about the program, and I think if it was close, he would come back, but it's not close. And so go on, man. Succeed and get your money. That's why the portal exists now, is for players like this to advance, and I'm glad that we're a university that now could be looked at as a landing spot for advancement because it's all part of the pitch. Yeah, and by the way, Jamie Robinson is on his overall ranking list as well as basically projected sort of second-round type player, yeah. and he has and he has Fabian Lovett as a third-round type player, and that is interesting with Fabian Lovett. You know, uh, that we, we get into what rounds do you – you know what I mean? Like, you, you start thinking. Well, as I understand it, didn't both Jamie Robinson and Fabian Lovett accept senior bowl invitations? Yeah, so they're taking it on down the road. Yeah, the, the so, one good bit of news was yesterday what Rising Spear was able to announce, which is a partnership with wide receiver Johnny Wilson. I don't think that if you're Johnny, you accept a deal with Rising Spear for a couple of weeks worth of, you know, extra meals. Right. I think that, that signals that 
you know, there's a return coming that you have been made a priority. And maybe it means that more offensive players are coming back than not. I'd like to believe that. Now that's just hope talking. But the timing of that announcement to me says that at least when it comes to the offense, you're keeping one of those playmakers. While on defense, you're going to have to replace your, your best two defensive linemen. And Jamie Robinson, who I think, independent of competition, has really come on in recent weeks and looks like mm-hmm. the version of himself from last year. Yeah, so if you and I are just projecting based on evidence, whether those are draft projections, great draft grades, accepting invites to senior bowls, accepting a rising spear in the deal, the evidence tells us that Johnny Wilson will be back. The evidence tells us, I think, that Mr. Vinson will be back. Um I think he'll be back and I think he'll have a massive year and vault himself into the first round. Uh, And then I think defensively you're correct. Uh, Obviously you're going to lose Jamie Robinson. You're going to lose Fabian Lovett and it appears you're going to lose Jared verse. So a lot to, to replace there. Um, I think you might have a player to replace Jamie Robinson. Who's currently on the roster playing very good football when he gets his opportunities. I do think um, replacing Fabian Lovett is difficult. Uh, you, you're going to need, because you lose Coop and you lose Fabian, and and those are two huge bodies. And, of course, Cooper didn't have the year that we were hoping he'd have because he's played hurt. Uh, and that really was, that was really, you know, that came to bear when when Fabian missed time and Coop had to play more snaps. He He was not. A dominant figure at all so what Florida State does there they've got some players we really like obviously farmers high on that list of players that we like and think can be a dominant player but when you're talking about depth that is a critical aspect of this offseason I keep bringing up offseason because we're so close to it and it's an intriguing time in the program's transition do you go get a dominant player in the transfer portal do does this independent <laughs> collective have enough juice to bring a player in from say the big 10 whose team at one time was having a great season, but has now suffered a couple of losses in a row about to lose their third in a row because they play Michigan this weekend. Might you bring in one of those defensive stoppers? There are two on that roster that we feel good about being from the state of Florida, maybe wanting to get out of the cold. Perhaps Illinois is not going the direction Everybody thought they were, you know, just stuff to watch here. Yeah, I I would love if that's the case. The only thing that concerns me about something like that is counting chickens. And, you know, the state of Florida has multiple institutions that would pay good money for a kid from outside the state to come down the pike. And that's something you want to have finalized before you count on it. I think the defensive interior is adequate as it stands, even with the departure of Fabian Lovett and assuming Big Coop is gone as well. I think it's adequate because you've got Farmer, Ray, I I guess Jared Jackson would come back for another year, uh, Bishop Thomas, Daniel Lyons, and Tafasi. And and they just moved Woody over there, uh, the 2022 signee Antavius Woody, who's a large body in his own right. So I think that's adequate but not special, and it's got a chance to be, but just as, as it stands now. If you go get one, I think one guy for the defensive interior, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. It takes it from potentially good to a, a, a difference yeah. maker. Yeah, and that's I'm wanting, and I'm going to get, I'm going to start to be, you know, kind of bearish on this, and 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 really, or bullish, I should say, on this. Uh, I, 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 Florida State needs to. Go, we did it this off season. 
we said it had to be a big transitional season. It had to be a, a big year. I, I said it, you know, I kind of threw out there. You and I both did. You know, they got to win seven, eight games. That's got to happen. If they don't, they're not going to fire him, but he's dead in the water. So we, we, we achieved that hurdle, right? We think. I mean, I'm assuming a win over Louisiana this weekend. Yeah. Um, so you jump that hurdle. I'm putting up another hurdle. Let's go. Let, we're not stopping here. Like, you got to go be dominant now because Clemson's time needs to be over. And there ain't nobody in the Coastal worth a damn. Well, North Carolina can throw it, but they don't defend anybody, so I don't worry about them. Here you go. Let's go. I'm putting up the next hurdle. Win the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Play for an ACC championship next year. If you're playing for an ACC championship next year, you are a potential college football playoff team for sure. And now we're at another level of football. Now you're talking about, yeah, adequate's nice when you're trying to take steps, but now we want to be dominant. Now we want to be dominant. Now you go out and you get more than you need and you stockpile dudes because we see it all the time in the trenches. Dudes get hurt and they miss significant time. It happens. Those are massive bodies colliding on every play. You'd never get very, very rarely do you get through a season with all of your offensive linemen and all your defensive linemen intact. So you got to get more than you need. Uh, I agree. I, I just, what I wonder is when you are setting a budget for acquisitions like these, you know, where do you prioritize the spots on the budget? And and that's still to be determined because you've got to see who else may go yeah. early or just transfer because their room is too crowded. That position group is too crowded. So you got to see what's coming up down the pike. But I, I think if you're looking at, JUCOs or just straight transfers, I think a linebacker has to be a top priority because Blake Nicholson's a nice player, but, I mean, are we going to assume that as a true freshman he's going to be ready to go? I, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to tell you I think he starts. I do. As a true freshman? Well, I think so. I think so. I'd still, I'd still like I to still have – I still want somebody, though. Tom, I'm with you. I still want somebody. But I, I think he his body plays. I think he plays right now. You want an insurance policy, though, at the very least. Or depth because, okay, let's say the Bethune's gone. I mean, I don't know what the case is going to be there. He has another year of eligibility if he wants it. But let's say Bethune's gone. So then you're talking about Nicholson and Lundy with Gant? Like, that's that's not enough. That's not going to get it done. Corner, I think, has to be a high, high priority again. This offseason, you can't have enough of those guys in general. But certainly with this group, I think you need one or two. Mm -hmm. And then defensive end has to be a top priority. Patrick Payton's going to be nice for you next year. Needs to get in the weight room, put on a couple more pounds, and that would be good. But you, I, I think defensive interior, if you look at the group, it's with safety where I'd say it's down the pecking order just a little bit because I feel good about Shaheen Brown next year. I love Shaheen Brown. I'm okay with some of the options that they have also. If McClellan sticks around, Sidney Williams was once upon a time a starter. I, I just think they're loaded at that particular position currently. And McCall was always talked about as a combo corner safety. So yeah. maybe that's where Sam McCall finds his home. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where it all goes. But if you have only so many resources to go grab and upgrade your roster, I wonder where defensive tackle actually would be, given the influx of young talent and a deep uh, group of talent that you have. Yeah, I think it's it's probably not as high, obviously, as the positions that you just noted. But if you have a gift that wants to fall oh, yeah. into your lap, then I think you you go ahead and readily accept that. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. The Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network.
Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. This cracked me up. The Jeff Cameron Show PR firm was kind of awakened very briefly, but not because of a faux pas or anything like that. It's just, it's like, the hell are you talking about? This is, this is, this doesn't make any sense. So Trev Alberts is the athletic director at Nebraska. And I always feel very old when I bring that up because I saw all of Trev Albert's playing career at Nebraska. And I also remember his NFL career with the Colts. And I also remember him on the desk for college game day. Uh, and then I remember the pithy little argument that he got in and he didn't feel like he was getting enough attention when Herb Street was hired and it bothered him. So he cried about that and left. And eventually he was found uh, by Nebraska and brought home to be their athletic director. Now, Apparently he's well-respected, but he's 0 for 1 on hires, and you don't really get to survive 0 for 2. So this hire is probably the biggest moment of his professional career. And they, of course, fired his first hire, which, in fairness to him, looked like a slam dunk. That didn't turn out to be, and that's how precarious hiring coaches is and how ridiculous it is. And we get into the puppet strings being played um, – you know, we all we all know how that works, but he's got to get the right hire here. So all year long, I've had to uh, I've done this Nebraska show with those guys, and I, I won't bore you guys with that. This isn't Nebraska radio, but the topic du jour, of course, since about week two when they fired Scott Frost or week three, whatever the hell it was, has been who's going to be the next coach and how good is the Nebraska job really? Like, what are they? They've been in the wilderness for twenty years, like. How good is that job? And trying to gauge the answer to that question has been fascinating because I like college football. So I think it's interesting anytime a once proud dominant pillar, if you will, of the college football world falls off a cliff. Well, that doesn't happen every day. I mean, you get bad seasons from Florida State. You get bad seasons from Florida. You get bad years from Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, Notre Dame, Southern Cal, Michigan, you name it but they don't cease to be relevant. Like they don't go away permanently. And it looks like kind of Nebraska, Tom has gone away permanently. So people are edgy because it's a state that nobody's moving to. People aren't flocking to go to Nebraska. And now they're like, man, they don't like our state. And the one thing that we could hang our hat on in this damn state was the football program. And now we don't even have that. So we're just a state that's losing people and we suck at football. This isn't good. So all of this is added up to a lot of angst is what I'm getting at. And then I read this. <laughs> Trev Alberts, when asked on Omaha radio station uh, there in Nebraska, quote, we're under no timeline and we're certainly not going to be uh, in a rush to make a hire, said Trev Alberts on Huskers radio network. What the hell are you talking about? This season's about to be over. By definition, you got to hire a new coach. What, what, 
This is the most important thing in the world to those poor people, those poor dying farmers whose states are being bled. They've got nothing to fall back on. And here you are, just asinine comments. The first time you've been on public radio all year long, you're like, well, we're in no hurry. You better damn well be in a hurry, my man. (laughs) Signing day. It's about to happen, bro. You got to have a coach. The transfer portal opens on December the 5th. It's November 17th. Again, by definition, you better be in a hurry to hire a coach. I love it. That's the best. I think if I had been that radio host, I would have been like, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Trev, um, but you're full of, you know what? What the hell are you talking about? You, you've probably already made the hire for starters. Secondly, you can't come on here and tell me that you're not in a hurry. You've had all season. The time to not be in a hurry was week three or whatever, but now you got to be in a hurry. So <laughs> I got to ask then, since you do these particular programs with the Nebraska network, you've uh, piqued my interest in a way it hasn't been with Nebraska since, I don't know, that night yeah. on New Year's when I, my dad woke me up and said, we beat him. Yeah. Do they have a candidate? Or, or is this because they don't have a choice? They don't have anybody they like, and so this is a stall tactic. <laughs> to install a holdover or something. What the hell's going on? Okay, so Mickey Joseph is the interim coach. He played quarterback at Nebraska many eons ago, and so he's beloved as a former player, but they don't win games, and he's never been a head coach at this level. So I can't fathom that Mickey Joseph is going to be their next head coach. And all year long, there have been people saying, well, you know, he could. No, no, he can't. Stop it. That You can't do that. You're trying to get this program back. He's got no chance. At best, he could be the Colorado coach if Dion doesn't take that job. And by the way, there are whispers that Dion is going to be offered the Colorado job. Um, and by the way, if I'm Dion, I take it because you're not getting the Auburn job. You're not getting this job. And I don't know what else you're going to get, but I'd take the Colorado job if I'm him. And I tell you this much, if I'm Colorado, I would actually hire Dion. All right. Enough about that. So here we go. Right. Uh, here's what I'll tell you. Um, I think Matt Rule is a serious candidate for the Nebraska job. Oh. I think and that'd be a very good hire. I think that would be a very good hire. I think if I'm Trev Alberts, if you can't get somebody, uh, what's his name at Cincinnati or somebody like that, which I don't think you're going to get you're him. Fickle, there's no way. No, you're not getting fickle. So, I think you got to go after Matt Rule. Your your problem with or or O'Brien at Alabama, the OC at uh, at Alabama did yeah. he did do a good job in college. You know, it, you know, it he he could maybe be your guy. The only thing I'll say to finish up this point, we'll go into the next hour. Uh. I think you throw the world at them because the one thing going for Nebraska, besides a rabid fan base that has sold out 300 plus games in a row, despite all this sucking, they're about to have back-to-back three and nine seasons. Um, is that you've got more money than God because of that booster fan base. And because you're in the big 10, you're going to have even more money coming up. So you have an advantage over teams, even like Florida state, not that we're in a position, you know, we're not having to do this right now, but you can offer some dude $10 million a year if you want. I mean, you can offer somebody a King's ransom to come coach at Nebraska. So you ought to be aiming very high because I don't think money is an object at Nebraska. So aim for the world. I go after Bill Belichick. I mean, <laughs> Chef Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, 4chan TV.